Welcome to the Umbrella Academy, lesson number one. <laughs> I'm Alexander Zalman, your instructor for this course. Please introduce yourself, fellow professors. I'm Professor Justin. I'm the TA, and I'm oh, too old for this job. I'm Pete. <laughs> And this is the first episode of Umbrella Academy. That is a bit we'll maybe do never again. Not 100% yeah, sure. Definitely. We'll see what happens. Or maybe every episode and we'll just double down on it. No. Anything's fine. It's all good. Now, before we get into it, uh, we should probably introduce ourselves. We do a live show every Tuesday called Comic Book Club. We've done it live in theaters, now live to the internet. Uh, for about the past 14 or 15 years, we've been reviewing comics for a while. We've also done a bunch of TV podcasts. If you've never listened to them before, Riverdale After Dark, Riverdale Podcast, Watch from Watch, Watch from Podcast, other stuff you can check out at comicbookclublive.com. Umbrella Academy is a book that we read and reviewed pretty extensively on the show. Which we, we all loved. Huge we fans. loved it. Huge fans of it. Yeah. Um, the first season, though, we didn't end up doing a podcast for. So this is going to be our catch-up podcast for catch Umbrella up. Academy. So in every episode of this, uh, we're going to talk pretty broadly about an episode. So if you haven't watched the episode, spoilers heads. Uh, but we're not going to break down every single plot point or anything like that. But we're going to try to catch up in time for season two. That's yes. correct. That, okay, uh, good. Approved. Approved. Uh, oh, so don't. this is going to be about the first episode of the season on Netflix. We only see each other at weddings and funerals written by Jeremy Slater, directed by Peter Hoare. Uh, now, I watched the entire season and I'm going to be upfront about this. I didn't love it. There are things wow. that I liked about it. There are things that I really enjoyed, but as a fan of the comic book, there were things that I was a little disappointed in, but uh, I'm very excited to talk to you guys about it and kind of talk through everything, figure out what you liked, what you didn't like, what worked for you. Pete, you also watched the full season. What was your impression? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, uh, oh. unlike you, I don't hate uh, violin music or, or classical music when it plays, so it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers mm, okay, you. Okay, thank you I for dialing you're... into exactly the one thing that I found wrong with the season. Yeah. Yes, you. yeah, because you're, you're more, more of a, of a cello guy. guy. Oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> I like a little bit of like a K-pop cello mixed kind of thing going yeah. on. Yeah, like B yeah. BTS meets Yo-Yo Ma. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, that's oh, wow, the future nice. right there. Yeah. yeah that's uh, but yeah, I liked this. I thought it was fun just because the characters are so weird and interesting. You know, um, the characters didn't really explain themselves in the comic book. They were just kind of weird and interesting. And they, because it's in a comic, you can kind of get away with someone kind of being part gorilla and it's not as weird or something that like needs to kind of be seen or whatever, you know? So like, I think they fell into a little bit of like sometimes over explaining some things and then never addressing other things. And like, yeah, there are times where it kind of drags its feet on little things that are like, why are we watching this? But it is very interesting, and it's the music is great. It's kind of shot with a unique kind of style and flow. So it's not like a normal show in a lot of ways. So that kind of uniqueness wins points for me. Yeah, and for me, uh, I 
I am watching. I haven't watched this before, and I'm watching them one by one. So I, as of this recording, I have only seen this episode. Um, so I don't know what happens. I have read the comic, obviously. Um, and to me, it's there's a lot of fun here. It feels like in so many comic adaptations to television the plot becomes so important and it's just like, we got to follow the plot. We got to get to the next thing. Or it gets darker or more gritty or something, you know? Right. And this show like really takes time and lets things uh, go, especially in this first episode. Like, oh, let's have a sort of extended dance sequence. Um, When, and then when it does get to the plot, the plot comes in heavy. It's like super dense. So if I had a criticism of the show so far, it feels like it, the tone wobbles from like these fun extrapolations where the uh, all the characters get to sort of screw around and you don't know what's happening in a fun way to heavy plot situations where you don't know what's happening in a way where you're like, oh, fuck, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm lost. So that is the and the comic had a little bit of that tone, but they sort of exacerbated it in a way that I think is a little tricky to follow. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think the everything, all the roles are really well cast. Um, it's shot really uh, in a nice way, a very Wes Anderson way, perhaps, uh, but yep. in a nice way. The I don't want to lump on it too much here at the beginning or anything like that. But I'm thinking back to it when seems I like wa- you do get uh, off your chest. Yeah. I want to shit on this show and then exit the podcast as quickly as possible. No, that's not what I want to do. Because, like, to the point of what Justin's saying, there's so many great performances here. Robert Sheehan as uh, Klaus is phenomenal for the first episode on. Like, he makes the show and... Even if I don't love it, I would watch every episode of it just to see what he is doing in the show because he's so good. Um, And that's like, that's the tippy top. But everybody else down is also pretty good as well. My problem is that... We we did a podcast for Legion. We did uh, called Inside Legion that everybody who's listening to this can check out. Watching the show to me felt like they want to do something like Legion, but they don't quite know how to get there. Like they don't know how to make it as mind bending, as weird as possible. And instead are doing what I, what I didn't want to see in the show, which is they make it more pedestrian. Like the, what they flesh out is the family dynamic and they dive into that more on the TV show, which I understand why they did that for the TV show, but yeah. it makes it, and this is the stupidest comment I've ever made on any podcast we've ever made. Oh, it wow. makes it too accessible. What the fuck? It does, though. Like, that's the thing that's part of the charm of the way that Gerard Wade writes the Umbrella Academy books is you're like, what is happening right now? This is pushing my brain. It's stretching my brain. And almost at no point watching the Umbrella Academy TV show do I feel like I'm stretching my brain. I feel like it's pleasant. I'm watching it. I enjoy watching these people interact. There's some fun bits and sequences always love a good monkey butler, but I wish it was more. And this is jumping far ahead, but I do have hopes as it seems they're going far afield for the comic material in season two. I'm hoping that we get there in season two, but I guess we'll see what happens. So you're saying that like, so you're having, saying there's a chance. Yeah. Right? So you're nice. saying there's a chance. Um, so you're saying that like having a monkey butler who pretty yeah. much kind of raised a group of strangers who are kids 
who are like told their family because they were basically bought out from their real family by a rich guy who is very interesting, as you said. Um, but uh, that's not weird enough for you. Like you are like, ah, I'm understanding too much of what's happening. To be fair, that was my personal experience growing up. So it was the first time I really felt seen. Wow. On screen, you know? Wow. Yes. And are you still in touch with um with old uh uh Top Hat, your monkey <laughs> butler? Of course, of course. I call him every week and he sends me uh tea sandwiches through the mail. Oh tea that's sandwiches? Great. Tea sandwiches, yeah. Great, great and sandwiches and, uh, with tea in them? No, tea sandwiches are like little finger sandwiches, Pete. Like a oh. cucumber uh, and oh, cream cheese. Oh, when people have around tea time. Okay, all right. Right, like a nice smooth cucumber sandwich. <laughs> right. Oh, I love smooth cucumbers. So nice. Smooth cucumbers. But the monkey Smoother also... Smoother than a cute. The monkey also <laughs> threw poop at you a little bit, though, right? Uh, yeah, it was a horrible, and it was a horrible upbringing, but I treasured every moment of it. I messed up what I was saying. Uh, all right, let's... Let's do this. Let's talk broad, broad overview for the first episode, um, because honestly, like, there's not a lot that happens, relatively speaking. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? The world ends in the first episode, you yeah, fucking asshole. Yeah, but that's like asshole. the end of the episode. So that's the oh, end my of the God. Episode. You're yeah. a fucking... I I gotta tell you, I think I'm gonna enjoy this podcast because I feel like this is a flip of the dynamic between me yeah. and Pete, where Pete's normally yeah. shitting on the show we're doing, and I'm like, Pete, calm down. This is great. I'm very excited <laughs> about this. So uh, we start off. Uh, There's there. so much that happens in this fucking episode. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? This is exciting. Like, you guys you have literally watched a group this of is uncharted kids grow territory up for us. Eyes. We've done one of them <laughs> dies. Then you find out the father dies. They're all together for the first time. You can't understand what, how they're acting and why. And then, oh, by the way, the time travel kid comes back. Nothing happens, really. Time travel's happening. It's real. And the kid tells everybody <laughs> the world's going to end in eight days. Man, doesn't much happen here. This is a well, boring show that's very accessible. <laughs> this is my Tuesday. Wow. This monkey butler is really putting on his top hat. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if I need to recap it. Pete covered pretty much everything during that rant there. Uh, but 43 women give birth spontaneously on the 12th of October. Sir Reginald Hargreaves adopts seven of them, takes them back to his house, raises them as kind of like, uh, I was about to say lame X-Men, but like sort of X-Men, but not as much investment in it as Professor X has well, necessarily. It's like, British, like about, it's like British X-Men. Yeah, it's what I like, like about it is it's realistic. Like if a rich person actually did try to raise seven people, he would also be doing so much other shit, he would barely have time for those kids. So I kind of like the realism of that a little bit, even though it's heartbreaking that a father doesn't have time for his kids. Well, because the, uh, you bought them, you fucking better raise them. Yeah, exactly. That's what they say about children is you bought them, you got to raise them, bro. Uh, but I that's feel interesting, like- though, that it's seven kids, you know, because like, 
it's the seven in the other podcast that we're doing right now. So that's kind of interesting. Maybe these seven grow up that's to not, be. That's the not seven. interesting to anybody. <laughs> seven no, I, is, I just a, put it is a, just a cool number. You really put it together with a conspiracy theorist. Uh, what I was going to say is the thing with the comic and the show is it's the Umbrella Academy is always like premise on premise on premise. Like the show could have simply been. Hey, 43 um, heroes were created. Um, this guy has seven of them. What does that mean? Let's see right. what that fight is. And where are the others? Yes. And this move, this show and comic moves past that premise into uh, what it wants to be about. Lazy or like bad parent Professor X is another premise that is really interesting. The show also it, it barrels has that, past that. It barrels past it, but it has it in there. Like he is a bad father to them, uh, but it barrels past that into some other stuff. So I think that's something with the, this show. You're always it always feels like you're sort of I'm trying to keep up, but also what's happening literally right in front of my face. Yeah. Yeah, so we do get to meet this, not all of those seven, but some of that seven uh, after Hargreaves passes away. Uh, we get to meet uh, Luther, number one. He's living on the moon. We meet Diego, who's kind of like the Batman style character. He's fighting some dudes. We meet number three, who is Allison. She's now a superstar. Uh, she used to be called the Rumor. Now she's walking red carpet. Number four is Klaus. He's in rehab. Uh, that's pretty much all we know about, find out about him. Uh, and there's Vanya, who is number seven. She has no powers as far as we know. She's playing the violin. Specifically, she's playing Phantom of the Opera uh, over the opening sequence. Uh, and basically, the entirety of the episode is them finding out that Hargreaves are dead, coming back to the house that they all grew up in, uh, meeting each other again, clashing uh, we get I intimations that say Luther and Allison may have had a thing back in the day. Uh, he still seems to be, no pun intended, mooning for her uh, while she seems oh, to be. Okay. Bam, bam. You see, because he was just on the moon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Full moon. Uh, and they don't they don't like each other very much. Hargreaves wasn't very nice to them. We get flashbacks to their training. We see them go on a mission where they just don't want to do it at all. But they destroy a bunch of bank robbers uh, 17 years ago. Uh, we find out that there is nothing special about Seven. And Hargreaves repeatedly told her that my absolute favorite moment of the episode that I'll just call out right now is they all get umbrella tattoos and they hate it and it's painful, but seven is up on a balcony looking at them and she draws in marker an umbrella tattoo That's, on herself. It's probably permanent marker. So, you know, it's not going to a tattoo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's not going to come off for like a week. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then by the end of the episode, as you mentioned, we meet Five. Five is very briefly an old man, then a kid. He comes through a portal. Turns out he's gone to the far future. He was there for 45 years. As Pete mentioned, he's seen the end of the world. He tells Vanya that, uh, and it's going to happen in eight days. And it's their fault, they think. Uh, they don't know how to stop it, and we end the episode there. So again, that's a very broad overview. Uh, let's jump back and talk about some of the individual moments. Uh, are there characters, are there moments in particular that jumped out to you that you think popped more than others? Well, the kind of like reveal that uh, your favorite character, the kind of druggy character. Like, Klaus. Uh, Klaus. Klaus, yeah. 
um, he uh, sees dead people, which has got to be a rough superpower, you know? Right. So we get to meet, we see him in a flashback, uh, but Ben Hargreaves, who was number six, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The only uh, anyway, other number. Yeah. Uh, he turns into some sort of horrible monster. We see yeah. a shadowy version of that. He died on a mission, but Klaus is still seeing Ben in the car. Uh, he's deceased. Uh, that's a fun little detail. Uh, also, while we're talking about Klaus, I'll just mention this in case anybody uh, has never watched it. But Robert Sheehan was in a show called Misfits uh, that was basically like a bunch of kids who are in England who are uh, put on uh, probation. They're on work detail altogether. They end up getting superpowers. It's great. He's great in it. Totally different character. He's like the meek one who wants to do the right thing, and everybody else is a bunch of assholes on that show. But if you've never watched it, in particular, the first two seasons of that are awesome. Why don't we do a podcast about that since, you know, that's what you clearly want to talk about. I would love to do that. I would love to do that, Pete. Do you want to do that instead? We'll end this podcast after one episode. You really (laughs) walked into that, Pete. Uh, Justin. So now the Misfits podcast starts now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First episode of Misfits. Here's what's going on. Uh, Uh, Justin, talk about some stuff that you liked about this episode. uh, I agree. I think uh, the Klaus stuff in this episode is great. Um, The the way that he... I mean, he he's one of the easiest characters to parse because it's like, oh, this guy's clearly the sort of fucked up bad boy. So you, because he's a little bit more of a trope, you're sort of on board with him right away. When some of the other characters, it's like, I don't know what's fully going on here, so it takes a little bit more time to lean into it. I do think when um, number five shows up, he brings a whole uh, a great energy to it and um, sort of gives us the plot motivator to it. So I I really liked. Mm-hmm his introduction and the way that sort of crystallized everything for the sh- a show that felt like it was like, I don't know where the needle is here. And then boom, here's where we're going. And the, what, you know, what's kind of heartbreaking and this is kind of like the start. So I guess this is kind of like where you start. It's like, you always want like, okay, you know, you guys can fight, you guys can hate each other, but when it's go time, like that's when you got to be all right. And like, they couldn't keep it together at the funeral, you know, like uh, the the funeral of the father. Sure, they don't like him or whatever, but like he brought them all together. Could they at least like not be assholes during the funeral? But they couldn't do it, and that was kind of tough uh, to watch. Is like even uh, poor Ben's statue gets knocked over. Uh, you know, he, that guy, you know, died early on. You can't even respect him. It seemed like you guys liked him. I mean, that statue gets knocked over and they're like, meh. But I want you guys to fight at my funeral. Oh, that no I problem. plan on doing it. No okay, problem at all. Oh, wow. When is that happening, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, eight uh, days? Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you send eight out days, a save the date, please? Yeah. Yes, no, I've sent out several, and uh, everyone is a little weird about it for some reason. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. It's, uh, I do think uh, that is a very strong motivator for the season, though, to set everybody up where you've missed 
essentially 17 years of what's got on. You know, there's they lay in various details about what's happened. Uh, Vanya has written a tell-all book about everybody. She seems okay with it. Clearly, that has completely alienated her from everybody else. As mentioned, Luther and Allison clearly had something going on in the past. That seems to be the thing that's been the friction between them. Um and we also, of course, get, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Not the Kraken. What's his actual name is Diego. Uh, Diego, number two. <laughs> Just the fact that, like, he's the only one that's kept with it. Yeah. That is clearly the thing that pisses him off about everybody else is they didn't stay being superheroes and he's the only one that actually did. So all of that stuff, I think, is, like, very nicely set up in the first episode. It just takes... It's it's very Netflix paced. It takes mm. a little bit too much time to get there. I think. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But I I will also say the opening sequence felt great. Like it was such yes. a nice, uh, really well done. You see um, the this woman giving birth in a pool. Uh, oh, that was crazy! Random, yeah. Like it. So like. I know they took a little and bit. And the music was fun for that, where they're all yeah. the, like, you get the strollers all lined up with the umbrella symbol. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of great stuff happening uh, in the show, um, but to Alex's point, it does feel a little bit. Just the pace is a little wonky throughout. But I mean, it's some of those extra detours are fun and worth it. Yeah, because like the dance sequence was kind of a out of left field. Uh, kind of moment where it's like, oh, this song, I guess, means a lot to them. But that's also kind of fun because it's like the pacing is so weird and all like it broke into just a musical randomly for a little bit. Like that kind of really sets this tone for you don't know what's going to happen when, which I kind of like. But I thought it was smart, though, because it did bring the characters together for like the only moment we had them. In that way, they somehow brought them together separately. And I think that was a really smart sort of uh, uh, surprising way to unify the storytelling when we were were like, who are all these people? Why are they together? They don't have they have nothing in common anymore. And it's like, oh, they share this this moment here. And then we drive into the rest of the show. There's really nice, very specific character dancing for everybody at that moment uh, that Clearly, everybody is dancing in their own way. They have their own style. It comes from directly what their character is. You look at Ellen Page as Vanya, and she's like, she has her two big shirt on, and she's sort of just shaking back and forth a little bit, just dancing from her shoulders, almost like a like a Peanuts character in a way. Shoulder um, dance guy from the yeah. uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. Uh, Versus some of the other characters who are more flamboyant, who are dancing around in a more flamboyant manner. So it's real good. Uh, What do you think about Luther? We haven't talked about him much. Uh, Before we jump to that, though, like, what are your character dances uh, real quick? Oh, great question. Just to kick off, because this is our I think we need to unify because obviously Mm -hmm. there's some strife here uh, with you two. But like we what are our (laughs) unified character dances? Well, we're doing this over Skype. So we kind of have three windows going on the same way that they do on Umbrella Academy. Yes, we could just do it. And that'll work for an audio podcast, right? That's a good point. No. Uh, Pete, what's yours? The Dougie? (laughs) <laughs> I'm old school, dude. You know, I'd probably open with a pencil sharpener, go into mm-hmm. the sprinkler, then bus driver shopping cart. 
Wow, all very named maneuvers. Interesting. My go-to actually used to be the shopping cart into the banana. Wow, great. Are you sorry? Are you guys still in middle school? Or are you have you grad? <laughs> are you freshmen this year? That's the last time I danced. Yeah, because I uh, live in that town from Footloose, and they have made it illegal. Yes, that's true. Thank you for following the rules. That is the point of that movie, is that you must strictly follow the rules of not dancing. <laughs> right. My favorite, movie. I have a poster for Footloose in my room uh, where it's Footloose and the tagline is, follow the rules. Yeah. Yeah, that was your movie was Footlocked, right? <laughs> you better not cut loose, Footloose. Don't put on those Sunday shoes. Footlocked. Stay at home. Don't move your body like this. <laughs> What's your dance, Justin? Uh, I guess just crotch thrusting. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, fair Bold. enough. Nice. Let's talk through the individual characters that I do want to start with Luther because we haven't talked about him too much. Uh, there's an interesting bit at the end, and I think if you've read the comics or obviously you watch the show, you know where things are going. Uh, but everybody keeps commenting the entire episode, wow, you got really buff. He is extraordinarily huge up top. Uh, at one point, Diego throws, I think it's a knife at him, yeah, uh, slices knife. open his he's shirt. He's a knife and, guy. Yeah, and we get to see he's very hairy underneath. We know where it's going, uh, but what do you think about his character? How do you think that was executed? It's good. I mean, it. it, it he's the hero. He's the sort of Captain America yeah, dude. Yeah, firstborn. Feels a lot of responsibility for things like, you know, trying to do right, set examples. Yeah. And they do a good job of making him sort of the distant, the dark side of that Boy Scout character where he's the one who's like a little bit uh, haughty about it and condescending. And he is like, well, I, I'm still I'm important. I'm the important one. Very like first child stuff. Like they do so much by just having us intuit what is happening and he he sets all that up really well Pete, you like him yeah he's yeah. definitely the cyclops of the team and you don't like cyclops on the x-men oh don't bring that shit into this he That's is 100 percent true 100 no, no cyclops uh he doesn't have a, a gorilla body he doesn't have a gorilla body but also <laughs> there is a kindness to luther that you don't see in cyclops wow Interesting. Uh, let's talk about number two then, Diego. Uh, one of my favorite things about his character is his relationship with mom. We don't get a lot of explanation of her. We find out the dad is uh, Reginald Hargreaves. We meet mom, who by the end of the episode, we find out is a cyborg or a robot classic. or something that's going on with a classic. Ben uh, ben but he seems to be very tied to her. What do you think about Diego? Uh, he seems very douchey and very cold. But he is badass with the knives, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You love a couple knives flying around. I mean, who doesn't love a guy who, or a person who's good with knives? You know what I mean? Yeah, like a chef. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think uh, he. We don't get uh, to me. He's a little bit. He is a little bit more in the background here. So it like he's a little bit of the a slower slower role in this first episode. Yeah, I think they downplay a little bit of his Batman ness. Yeah. In this show, in the book, he's very, like, he's not literally Batman, but he's clearly, like, the super badass character. Here, he's just kind of pissed off. And I think the actor 
does a good job of having his coiled fury throughout. Uh, but the other part, the action stuff, doesn't necessarily come through, at least in this episode. Uh, what about number three, Allison? Uh, we don't really get to see her rumor powers other than a flashback in the present day. She's a superstar. Um, what do you think about her? I uh, thought it was great. I like I like uh, her spot, and I like the way they they use they use shorthand with a lot of these characters, and it, with her especially, it's like got it. Uh, looking forward to see how this spins out. Um, and it, I like. I mean, coming out of the comic, like that feels like a left turn to have um, the celebrity aspect to it, and I think it works here well. Pete, what yeah, about I mean, you? we don't get a, you don't get to see a lot. Uh, what I do appreciate from her is like you would think like a celebrity type, you know, would be like, oh my god, you know. Uh, it, I'm glad they play her not like this awful celebrity type. Like she goes home to her family. She seems like a nice person, and the actress seems uh, she's killing it in this role. Uh, we talked about Klaus quite a bit. We also talked about number five uh, quite a bit. Uh, the one we didn't talk about too much, though, is number seven, Vanya Ellen Page, who I think is great in the show. Uh, she, yeah. other than Robert Sheehan, she is my favorite thing in the show. And I, I love Ellen Page anyway, so I think I was already in the tag for her. But I think she is the emotional crux of this episode, and she nails it. Yeah, I think I love Ellen Page as an actress as well. And, like, she's someone who can give you so much with uh, with small scenes. And, yeah. uh, like, so much of the show uh, or so much of the story of Umbrella Academy based on the comic um, is, like, really unfolding a mystery. So um, I don't want to say too much about what is going forward. But, like, she does a good job of being interesting so you know to pay attention. Pete? Yeah, I, I agree with you. She's a great actress. She brings a lot of great like facial stuff to the role without saying things, which is great. She shows, she doesn't tell. Uh, uh, but I'm, you know, as things get w- moving forward, I, I, she irks me a little bit because she has this kind of like quietness that I don't trust. And also like this kind of like she wrote a book, like she feels like an outsider. So you can't trust people that write books. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. Any tr- sort of writing. You can't like trust J.K. quiet Rowling, people. Right? This, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got Brett you. Pete, I didn't right? hear what you said. Don't even worry about it. It's all good. It'll still be topical whenever we release this. Absolutely. We're going to do this in like a month or something. So people will still be talking about that. Uh, other no, things- I mean, she'll, t- she'll tweet something new. Uh, Other things for the episode We haven't really talked about the monkey butler much Which is one of my favorite parts of the show as well Pete, you mentioned that You you gotta love a monkey butler, right? I mean, it's one of the great things you can If you're gonna get a butler, get a monkey butler I mean, why else get a regular butler? Now I'm gonna go with a squirrel or another Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone has a monkey butler yeah, uh, I'd love to I get think, like a good lizard or something like that. I mean, Ooh. Ross Ross from Friends had a monkey butler. Um, what I do like about the way the monkey butler is played here is he he's all sentiment. He's all like, it's so great to have you guys back. Like he he's playing against the the monkey part the yeah. entire time. Yeah, yeah, he's playing he's, mostly butler. He's it, mostly it, butler. 
It's a very interesting character, and like watching the show, I want more time spent on him. That's kind of the frustrating part. It's like no one's giving him really. People are being polite to him, and like, but hey, here's uh, you know he s- said some nice things at the funeral. It seems like he knows the most. Yeah, I'm not getting enough time with the monkey butler. Like you want a scene where he walks past like a, a stack of bananas and it's like I don't have time for one of these bananas. <laughs> uh, maybe just one little smell or sniff. Uh, okay, and then back onto my butler duties. Okay, I'll have a bite. No, what what I want is like him to walk by a, a painting or something and kind of describe it in a way where he paints the picture of like his family image, like how he sees these children and like his kind of part in the family. You're saying he's sort of a monkey father in addition to being a monkey butler. Yes. Yeah. I would mm-hmm. say he's more father than butler. <laughs> but all monkey all the time. <laughs> uh, by the way, how's your pitch going, Pete, for Monkey Father Butler? Yeah, it's not going good. Half father, half butler, all monkey. <laughs> I mean, anytime you throw around all monkey, it's everyone's happy about it. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up this episode, who was top of the class for this week's episode? Who made best marks, Pete? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. It's tough because part of me wants to give it to the monkey, uh, but I also want to sure. give it to Klaus, but I don't want to take your answer. <laughs> wow. Take whatever so answer you, you want, Pete. You do have to choose an answer, though. That's the trick here. I'm going to go with Klaus. Any reason Good. or just Klaus? Klaus was Klaus the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, he kept his stance... You know, he didn't like the father. That was super clear, but he wasn't a dick about it. You know, he just put that uh, cigarette out on his father, which says everything you need to know. Yikes. Justin, Uh, you got one? I'm giving up for number five. Uh, I feel like... uh, Johnny Five. Johnny Five Alive. In a show, in an episode, in a pilot um, where uh, there's so much brooding and so much just like characters being very internal number five comes in about two-thirds of the way through and uh is delivering so much plot while at the same time being an interesting character being fun um and really driving everything forward love number five i also love mambo number five the song mm, oh boy uh, all of those things are very good I also got to give it up to Klaus, though, because just the way Robert Sheehan, every time he's on screen, it lights up. I am interested, immediately interested in everything that's going on in the show, whatever he is there. Um, That's, as I mentioned, that's the reason that I keep watching is for him. He's great across the board. All right, folks, if you want to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd be happy to talk about the Umbrella Academy. Or Misfits. Or Misfits or whatever you want. This is going to slowly (laughs) turn into a Misfits podcast. We'll see what happens. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. We'll be setting up all of the feeds and everything for this very soon. So more information about that. But I'm sure they'll be up at iTunes and everywhere else. So check them out. Until next time, turn in your books and we'll see you at the next uh, Academy session. (laughs) Good day. (laughs) 